Uh, South Breeze did get me to watch uh, my hero brother, my <laughs> my uh, brother, my hero alchemist brotherhood. I'm still new to the show, so the title's got me all jacked up. I actually tried to watch, I think it's my hero alchemist or my hero something, I don't know. I tried watching that show. I watched, I got through like the first episode and I fell asleep. What's up, y'all? This is Marcus Sniffles from the Canadian Podcast. We are a double-gated community talking life, culture, music, racism, anime, sports, and other things. Make sure you're also drinking Trill Tea. We're trying to work on a better way to promote that because the tea is actually really good. And that's coming from someone who doesn't really drink tea a lot. But when I do, Trill Tea is the tea that I go to. Also, be sure to follow Street Wolf on Twitter. Check out his musical productions on SoundCloud. You can follow him and find him there at Street Wolf. Uh, shout out to Southbreed706, aka Archie Leach. Shout out to El Chapa. Uh, this is a very special episode. Well, technically, every episode of the, of the podcast is special, but this podcast is extra special because it's just me and I got some takes that I need to get off my chest. And sometimes I can't get those takes off because we have other people on the podcast and we're talk about other stuff. You know, South Breeze is always trying to shove anime down people's throats. El Chapa's whining about something. Gift Queen wants to talk about the Falcons. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, today, it's just me. And I'm talking about whatever I want to talk about. Now, for some people, especially on Twitter, you can follow me there, Marcus underscore Sniffles. Some people think I'm a Marvel fanboy, like I carry water for Marvel and I'm a DC hater. For the record, I am not a DC hater. I like the DC movies. In my opinion, I think DC probably has better villains than Marvel does. Um, I think the outside of Superman, I think a lot of the heroes from the DC universe or DC EU are more compelling than the heroes from the Marvel universe. Um, but I try to be honest about both, you know, Marvel movies and DC movies. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I have trashed Marvel movies before. I've also praised uh, DC movies like uh, Man of Steel, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and recently I finally saw just Wow, I finally saw Shazam. I guess I got struck by lightning there. Uh, I saw Shazam in theaters, surprisingly still out in theaters, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. So I'm not a, I'm not someone who's just gonna see every DC movie and say it sucks just because it's DC. I'm quite the opposite. The reason why I tend to be a little bit harder on DC movies is because I want DC to make good movies. Like I said, I'm. I'm a fan of DC heroes. I feel like most people of millennials grew up on Batman and Superman. We knew who Wonder Woman was. We knew who Aquaman was. Back in the 90s, people weren't playing with Iron Man action figures. We didn't know who Thor was. We knew who Spider-Man and like Hulk were. We know those guys, but back in the day, we were more focused on Batman and Superman. So I grew up 
like loving those heroes. And I didn't really become a fan of the Marvel heroes outside of, you know, the X-Men and Spider-Man until the movies came out. And what made me gravitate more towards Marvel was the fact that their movies were good. They made great movies, they made entertaining movies, they had complex um, heroes. With the villains, they kind of started out a little bit shaky, but as time went on, they got better with that. Um, but anyway, let me not get on that. Let me just stay on Shazam. So I have no idea what a Shazam is, who a Shazam is, where Shazam comes from, what his origin is, what he's about. And that's kind of what kind of comic book, uh, quote unquote, fan I am. I go into a lot of these movies not knowing anything. I don't, I don't read comic books. I don't really check on people's origins unless I usually do that after the fact. I'll go to, you know, Comics Explained or something like that or watch some YouTube videos that'll explain like the importance of certain things, the importance of certain characters, name drops, things of that nature. But I went into Shazam with no expectations, not knowing what should and shouldn't happen, who should be named, what should happen. Um, if you haven't seen Shazam at this point, like I'm probably going to spoil it. So spoiler alert at this point. Um, but when I watched it, I thought it was good. I thought the um, it's a, it, the concept of the Shazam character to me is the most interesting thing. That's what kind of uh, inspired I don't want to say inspired, but that's what drove me to go see the movie. The idea of a, you know, middle school, high school kid one day waking up and having superpowers. And I would think about like, hey, what if, what if that were me? What would I do? How would I react to that? How would I deal with that? Would I be, would I just be, you know, going to ATMs and taking money and trying to buy beer? Or would I actually try to be a hero and try to do the right thing. And I, I like the balance that they showed between that. There were a couple of um, dark moments, which DC, I feel like is probably better at that, in my opinion, than Marvel. But some of the dark stuff was was pretty dark. The, um, the story between, the story of the main character, where he come from, where he came from, his motivation was compelling. Like you, you feel for the kid, you, you understand like what he's going through isn't easy, especially for a kid being that age. The only thing that was kind of disappointing about his story arc is when he finally, like they've been building up the movie the whole time about him trying to find his mom. That's his entire motivation for everything that he does and everything that he becomes. And then when, you know, towards the end of the movie, when he finally finds his mother, it's literally two minutes and he's over it. It just completely goes away. It's almost as it's almost as if it wasn't that big a deal for him to find this mom, even though we spent an hour and a half trying to find this woman and why she left and all this stuff. They kept showing flashbacks of him and his mom at the, the, the fair and all this stuff. That's that was probably one thing that did bother me about uh Shazam. But outside of that, I thought the character was good. Uh Shazam as a hero, him getting his powers, him discovering his powers, him learning how to do that. That was fun. Like I had a good time watching this movie. It's uh, one of the more fun comic book movies that I've seen. Like the jokes hit pretty well. Um, I thought the action was really good. The the villain, I like the actor that they had play the villain. 
Um, his motivation was actually was solid. I'll give him that. He wanted to go back to where he had come from as a child to, to get that orb to become, you know, all powerful. And I think he, the only problem I have with the villain, I'd say, is that he, he was just bad just for the sake of being bad. And that's, that's not something I'm a big fan of when it comes to villains and, you know, any kind of movie. Like I like the, the villain to feel like what he is doing in his world from his point of view is the right thing to do. If you if, if you look at someone like uh, in Aquaman, the Black Manor, like his motivation wasn't, I'm just going to go out and destroy things and be evil just because I'm evil. His motivation was, hey, Aquaman essentially let my father die and he didn't help when he could have. My motivation is to go out, find Aquaman, do whatever it takes to destroy Aquaman. And that's it. And that's the kind of, is it right to go out and kill people? No. Do you understand where Black Man is coming from when he does that? Yeah, it's totally understandable for someone to feel that way. With Shazam, the villain in that movie, you kind of don't really feel like the villain believes exactly what he's doing. It's almost like he's just doing it just to do it, just to be evil, because that's what villains do, I guess. But outside of that, if I had to rank the DCEU movies right now, I think number one is going to be the very first one that they did, Man of Steel. And the reason why I think Man of Steel is the best one is because they made it without any without any type of connection. There wasn't a, a sequel in mind. There wasn't, oh, we have to tie this movie in with something else. It was just its own standalone movie. And I think that's what makes it great. Obviously, how they explain Superman's origins, his growth as, you know, coming to Earth and trying to, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm trying, I'm doing this off the top of my head off of memory. So if I get it wrong, then whatever. <laughs> but just coming up on Earth and trying to be a hero, trying to find that balance between being Clark Kent and Superman, um, I thought that was, uh, was, was great. I thought stylistically, it was one of the better movies. Um, so after that, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam. And there's a re there, there's a common theme between my favorite DC movies as far as the top four. Man of Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. All four of those movies are standalone movies. They're movies that don't necessarily have to tie in with anything. Like I know Wonder Woman at the beginning I believe tied into the end of uh, Batman vs Superman, but for the most part, that was a separate origin story for Wonder Woman as a character. Aquaman, the same thing. It's just an origin story. Let's learn who this character is. Let's learn what their motivation is. What do they want to do? What can they do? Who's opposing them? Let's see them overcome some obstacles. And for that reason, those are probably why they they sit at top of my list. After Shazam. It's, I don't want to say it's a large drop-off, but uh, Suicide Squad. Like, I saw that movie in theaters. I thought the movie was kind of good. Like, I didn't hate it. Like, I thought they did a good enough job as far as um, bringing all those characters together. I think some of it was a little over the top. I think the characters could have been a little bit more um, 
bad guy as far as like how they acted and how they behave towards in certain situations. Um, Will Smith did his Will Smith thing, which is a totally other thing. And as far as the last two um, DC movies, it's the last two Batman versus Superman Justice League. You can you can flip flop around either way. Like they're both just those are the two only bad DCEU movies, in my opinion. Batman vs Superman, Justice League, those movies are bad. All the other uh, DCEU movies, I feel like, are great to good, or great to average. So I'll go with that. And just, I've said this before previously on podcasts, but we have, you, you comic book nerds, y'all have got to stop bringing in your comic book bias into these movies. Like, the directors and the writers are basing their movies and they're, they're using the comic books as source material but it isn't, these aren't autobiographies. They're not sticking exactly to the script. They're not going panel for panel from the comics. And just because they didn't put something from the comics in the movies doesn't make that movie bad. Just because they changed certain things about the character from the comic books to the movie doesn't make it bad. You're just butthurt that they didn't put your favorite comic books theory or panel or whatever story arc into the movie. You have to accept the movie for what they give you. What they give you in the movie is what you get. You can't come in there saying, well, this is what they did in the comics, so I expect that from the movie. I feel like that's unfair, and you're limiting the writers, the directors, the actors from you know, improvising, trying something different, taking more artistic risk, and you're going to limit their ability to tell better stories. And by telling better stories equals better movies, better movies equals more movies, which equals, you know, you go into the movies to enjoy more comic book movies. Like these comic book movies, they're not geared towards the comic book fan. They're not. They're geared towards people like me. They're geared towards people who didn't grow up, grow up reading the comic books. They're not. It's, it's not geared to the super in-depth comic book nerds. It's not, I'm sorry, but that's that's just what it is. Because if that was the case, these movies would be totally different. They wouldn't be as big and they probably wouldn't make as much money. They they might be better, but they in the, the movie making industry is about creating the best art that you can. But at the end of the day, it's about what can make the most money. And they make the most money by being able to grab uh, ticket purchases from people like me, from people who didn't. Uh, read the comic books people who didn't grow up reading uh or playing with the action figures or doing all that stuff so that's that's kind of my uh dc shazam quick review i think i'm the only only one on the podcast that actually saw that movie uh if you actually saw the movie you liked the movie you disliked the movie hit me up on twitter let me know um i'm always down to, to chop it up and i will i will give you a disclaimer if you come to me and tell me Shazam or any other movie was trash without explaining why or showing your work, I'm going to dismiss you because I that's one thing that kind of does bother me when people tell me something's not good or it's great and they can't explain to me why. Because at that point, you're just putting your opinion out there and it's not based on anything. It's not based on fact. It's not based on anything you did as far as research or talking to people. You're just like, I don't like it because I don't like it. And at that point, we're not even having a discussion. We're not having a conversation. You're just yelling out into the atmosphere for essentially uh, no reason. So 
we're going to move on from that and go to very quickly because uh, South Breeze did get me to watch uh, my hero brother, my <laughs> my uh, brother, my hero alchemist brotherhood. I'm still new to the show, so the title's got me all jacked up. I actually tried to watch, I think it's My Hero Alchemist or My Hero something, I don't know. I tried watching that show. I watched, I got through like the first episode and I fell asleep. To be fair, I was tired, but that show is a bit too anime-y for me, if that makes any sense. Like they really get into the whole anime thing. I just didn't, I couldn't follow it. I just, maybe it was a bad day for me. I'll probably come back around to it. But the show I'm watching right now, My Hero Alchemist Brotherhood, uh, I'm on part two. Uh, I'm I'm not going to spoil anything for, for people that haven't watched it. But uh, for the most part, people that listen to our podcast that watch anime, they probably have already watched this before. So I'm probably not spoiling anything. They probably watched this five years ago and they're like, well, how are you just not watching it? This is the show's old, but whatever. The one thing that I will take from this show is that I don't trust anybody, especially at the start of season two or part two. I, I thought I could trust some people. I clearly cannot trust anybody on this show. Uh, my favorite part of my hero Alchemist Brotherhood is when they first start off, they don't really hold your hand. There's not a lot of hand holding at the beginning of the, uh, the show. They kind of just put you right into it and people do things or form tasks that you don't really understand. But as episodes progress, as you get deeper into the show, they kind of go back, they have flashbacks, they tell you what happened or they'll have a conversation where it just flows into like, all right, well, this is how this has happened. This is how he's able to do this. This is why the younger kid is in this body or in this suit of armor. This is how they learn to do this. This is why, uh, and, Ed only has one arm and one leg. Like at the beginning, they don't explain any of that. It takes like an episode or two before they actually explain what happened to these boys. Why are they doing what they're doing? What happened to them in the past that got them to this point? And I like it. I think it's a really good show. It's interesting. It's definitely kept my uh, interest. Something that I've talked about on Twitter before is the idea of watching anime uh, dubbed versus subbed and I guess a lot of people tend to watch the subbed version and that for people that don't know the and I'm probably closer to the people that doesn't know than do know but the sub version is essentially when the when you're watching the anime the voice actors are speaking in the um the actual language that the show came from like if the show's from Japan or China or wherever they're speaking Japanese Chinese and you have to read uh subtitles dubbed is when it's kind of like how Dragon Ball Z is. Like when Dragon Ball Z came to America, they had American voice actors voice it in English. So for me, I'm a dubbed person because it's just easier to understand. It's easier to follow. I don't have to try to read subtitles and follow the action because with anime, for the most part, the action can be all over the place a little bit. And for the most part, they talk a lot while they're doing the fighting and the action scenes. So I don't want to have to be looking at them, trying to match up the, the words to the character, which character said that. I got to rewind it. What's going on? I can't really live tweet it because I have to look up and read the uh, <laughs> subtitles. So for me, it's just convenience. And for some people, they tend to say like the, the, the sub version is better. 
I don't know how you can really determine that. Like the English actors do just fine. And I don't know how you can just, I don't know how you can make the argument that the, the, the Asian or the, the sub subversion is better just because they're speaking in that dialect. I, I, I don't understand it, but apparently if you're big in an anime, you, you want the, the sub version and that's what makes you a true anime person, which is probably why it took me so long to get into anime because you anime people are kind of annoying. <laughs> no disrespect though, no disrespect, but My Hero Alchemist, Brotherhood, because apparently there's a My Hero Alchemist, uh, but Brotherhood, solid show on uh, part two. Uh, I think it's five parts, so I'm kind of enjoying it so far. Hopefully, uh, I mean, I mean, I need to know what happens. Honestly, I need to, <laughs> I need to see the conclusion of this story because the storytelling is 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 excellent on this show. So now that I've got the anime section out of the way, I'm gonna go into sports real quick. Uh, if you know anything about me, I am a Colts fan. Uh, I'm not a Falcons fan. I've been on the Dirty Bird Nation report. I have a lot of Falcons fans that follow me. I, you know, interact with Falcons fans pretty much every day. South Breeze is the, uh, is the Falcons fan, but I'm the Colts fan here. And I have a couple of hot takes about the upcoming 2009 Colts season. Um, Eric Ebron, uh, he was a, the big free agent acquisition for the Colts last year at tight end. He wasn't really a big one, but he was one of the main he was the first signing of Chris Ballard from that year, from last year. And he showed up and showed out. He had close, he had double digit touchdowns. And he was like the big red zone threat. Like it was, he was, I don't want to say he was Gronk like in the end zone, but I mean, once I got to the red zone, he was pretty much unguardable. And Andrew Luck loves his tight ends. Like Andrew Luck has made worst tight ends like Colby Fleener into potential Pro Bowl caliber tight ends. Like Andrew Luck loves a good tight end and I'm I'm in that same same category. I like a good tight end too. But uh, my hot take for Eric Ebron, I don't think he's going to uh, eclipse double digit touchdowns this year. I feel like he's going to be a uh, top five fantasy tight end coming into the season. But uh, I see his production taking a very big dip from last season like last season i believe he had 13 touchdown catches and like a rushing touchdown he didn't have as many receptions but even then i feel like his receptions are going to go down one because uh jack doyle will be healthy and jack doyle is andrew luck's favorite tight end like it or not he's they they have better chemistry they've been playing longer together Jack Doyle has better hands. He's Andrew Luck's security blanket. So as far as catches, he uh, Eric Ebron definitely is going to drop down in that uh, category. And then you got to consider the addition or the ascendance of Moali Cox, who former basketball player. He's getting a lot of reps right now in, in uh, OTAs because Ebron and Doyle are down right now just for minor injuries, but. He's getting a lot of play time. He's getting a lot of reps. Uh, he's. I feel like he's going to be a big time player for the Colts in the future. Uh, you can go back and look at the Raiders game and check out that one hand touchdown uh, catch he had, which was one of the better touchdown catches I've ever seen. So you have to consider that the tight end room has gotten a. It's getting crowded. It's getting more crowded than it has been. So you got to. You got to think that at some point Ebron's production will. 
go down. And I think that's a good thing because that means the ball's getting spread around. That means we're unpredictable. That means more people are getting, getting involved. And so you have to, another reason why I would think Eric Ebron's production is going to be hurt this season. We had the addition of uh, Devin Funches. He was like Eric Ebron last year. He was Ballard's first free agent signing this offseason. Uh, Funches is a big body receiver. And when you got a big body receiver, back shoulder fades, fades in the end zone. They become red zone targets. I expect Funches to be this year's Eric Ebron. Now, he might not have 13 to 14 touchdown catches, but I fully expect him to lead the team in touchdown receptions because he is one of the bigger wide receivers on the team. He's one of the bigger bodies we have. And so Andrew Luck is good at putting the ball where he wants it. Why not give it to the big guy? Not saying, not trying to slight T.Y. Hilton because T.Y. Hilton, probably a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL, maybe closer to the top five. But T.Y. is a small guy. And when you get into the end zone, you need someone who's going to fight for the ball, who's going to body a smaller DB for that ball and, and get in the end zone. I think that's what Funches is going to do. You also got to think of the addition of Paris Campbell, who was a great slot receiver in college. He looks to be a good red zone threat. Uh, a person who can get open in the seams, in the middle of the field, make plays. He has the ability to take it to the distance every time he catches the ball. And also the return of Deion Kane. I know he's he's been one of the more hyped players on this team, for especially for a guy who hasn't played a single regular season game. He played like a drive in the preseason last year towards ACL. So essentially he is a rookie coming into this year, but he was – the way that they talked about Kane in camp was the same exact way they talked about Darius Leonard. We didn't know what Darius Leonard was going to be because he's a second round guy coming from a small town school. So you just think, oh, they're just hyping him up because he was a draft pick. You, I mean, most media members aren't going to trash a guy in training camp. And Darius Leonard went on to be an all pro, you know, a defensive rookie of the year, didn't make the Pro Bowl for whatever reasons. But that the same way they talked about Darius Leonard last year is the same way they were talking about Deion Kane on offense. And if Deion Kane can produce at a fraction of the level that Darius Leonard performed last year, we're talking about a kid that can give you, you know, 50 receptions, maybe 800 to 900 yards and a couple of touchdowns. That's pretty big for a, a six round wide receiver. That's really good. So I think that will, impact uh, Ebron's stats coming into next year. And the big thing that I think will uh, negatively, ah, I hate saying negatively, but it is going to have a negative effect on Ebron's production is the idea that Frank Wright wants to be a top five rushing defense, uh, rushing offense. He wants the offense to be top five in rushing. So that means they're going to probably run the ball more, which in my opinion, I think it's a great game plan. Statistically, the Colts have, probably a top two offensive line. Uh, Quentin Nelson, probably a top three guard in the NFL already in his second year, all pro, uh, pro bowler, first team. Um, Braden Smith, he has a full off season of being a right tackle and not having to worry about playing other positions. He can focus solely on being the Colts starting right tackle. And Glowinski's back, Ryan Kelly's back. He's in a contract year, so he's playing for that. Um, Costanzo, hopefully he stays healthy this year. He's kind of in that same boat playing for a contract. And they have an entire offseason to get their chemistry down. 
And as long as they stay healthy, there is no reason why that offensive line and the running backs that we have, especially like Marlon Mack, I'm big on Marlon Mack. If he stays healthy, that offensive line stays healthy, this Colts team should easily be a top five rushing attack. And the reason I say that is, is because you cannot focus on the run when you have a top five quarterback under center and a top 10 receiver on the edges and two tight ends that are Pro Bowl caliber tight ends. You almost have to pick your poison. So if you're game planning for Andrew Luck, Eric Ebron, T.Y. Hill, Jack Doyle, it's kind of hard to be able to focus on the stopping the run when, for one, it's going to be hard for you to stop the run because our offense line is that great. Like, you just you just don't go in and stop the run on this team, in my opinion. Like, I, I have a hard time believing a team is just going to focus, force the Colts to stop running the ball. Like, if you look back on the Chiefs' playoff game, I think uh, Frank Wright gave up on the running game too early. I felt like the running game was working. The running attack was successful and they just got away from it. It wasn't that the Chiefs stopped them. They just, the Colts just stopped running the ball. That's that's another thing that, I mean, that did frustrate me last year, but it is what it is. I mean, the defense played well enough, but you got to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Case closed. Like, that's what it is. But speaking of Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, he is uh, the face of Madden, a, a video game that, in my opinion, hasn't been good or innovative in probably 10 years. Uh, I'll never forgive the NFL for selling the rights to the NFL to, to Madden, making it the only, making it the exclusive provider of NFL football games. Because if you were, if you were, <laughs> I sound super old, but back in my day, there was another game called NFL 2K. That was the greatest football game ever created. And it's probably still to this, to the day, to the day, better than Madden. As far as all the things you could do off the field, the realism of it on the field, it's head and shoulders better than Madden. But back to Patrick Mahomes, uh, he's going to come down to earth next year. And it's pretty easy to come back down to earth when you're coming off an MVP season, all pro, 50 plus touchdowns, 5,000 yards. Anybody would say, okay, he's probably not going to do that next year. It's easy for anybody to say that. But the reasoning behind that is for one, he's on the cover of Madden. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that believes in curses or jinxes or any of that stuff, superstition. I'm not that guy, except when it comes to Madden because there's a track record there. There's a track, I haven't played Madden in forever. I haven't given Madden any of my money in about a decade, but I can guarantee you, I've seen the results. I've seen what happens to player when they're on that cover and they tend to within the few, a few years of being on that cover, things tend to go sideways. So <laughs> Chiefs fans, y'all will be lucky to make the playoffs this year with him being on the cover of Madden. You also have to consider that uh, last year, Patrick Mahomes' play took a dip when Kareem Hunt got suspended, and essentially he's gone now. He plays for Cleveland. And Patrick Mahomes' top receiver, Tyreek Hill, is probably on his way out the door now, too. So you're losing. He lost his top rusher, and he's probably going to lose his top wide receiver. And then on top of that, you're putting the Madden curse. Boy, it's going to be tough for him. He's going to have a tough year. I'm praying for that light skin board because he's – He's going to need all the help he can get. He's going to need all the help he can get. He's going to need Andrew Reed to coach 
<laughs> like he's never coached before. He's going to have to coach him up to be better than what he was last season. And honestly, I don't see that happening because last year, that's like a one-time season. Like that's that's as great as any quarterback has probably ever played in their first full year as a starter. And if we're being honest, here's another kind of thing that you don't want from your quarterback. You don't want your quarterback to win the NFL MVP award. You don't want that. If your quarterback wins the MVP and your team goes to the Super Bowl, your team is going to lose. It's a fact. It has happened way too many times in recent history for it to not be true. You can look at Patrick Mahomes. He didn't even make the Super Bowl. You can go down the list of all the MVPs since 1999. They're not winning the Super Bowl. They might get to the Super Bowl, but they're not getting there. Cam Newton won the MVP in 2016, I believe, had his worst game as a pro in the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan won a Super Bowl in 2018 or 2017. I don't know. But obviously he played well in that Super Bowl. I know Falcons fans are going to get all up in arms because I'm bringing up 28-3. But, hey, 28-3, it happened. The reason why it happened, it's not because of the Patriots. It's not because of uh, Kyle Shanahan. It's not because Devontae Freeman missed the block. It's because Matt Ryan won the MVP of the regular season. You do not want your quarterback winning the MVP of the regular season. And that's why I'm excited about Frank Wright's vision. And this is why he should be the coach of the year for 2019, because he wants to run the ball more. And by running the ball more, that means Andrew Luck is throwing the ball less. That means he'll have fewer yards than most quarterbacks. He'll probably have fewer fewer touchdowns. They might win more games, but Andrew Luck will not be in the running for MVP because he doesn't have the numbers. And that increases our chances of winning the Super Bowl next year and for years to come. So if you're a fan of the NFL, you do not want your quarterback to win the MVP. You just don't. It's We can go, like, take a second now and think about it. Who was the last quarterback to win the MVP go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, while winning the Super Bowl MVP. Who was the last one to do it To do it in that year? Because Matt Ryan didn't do it. Cam Newton didn't do it. Tom Brady didn't do it. Aaron Rodgers didn't do it. Who's another quarterback that won the MVP within, since 1999? Brett Favre, he didn't do it. Peyton Manning, every year that he's won the Super Bowl, he was not the MVP of that season, every year. And he's won the MVP five times, and he's only won the Super Bowl twice. And in those two years, he didn't win the Super Bowl. So who was the last quarterback to actually do that? Who was the last one to pull it off? The answer, 1999, St. Louis Rams, Kurt Warner, his first year as a starter. Came in, won the MVP, took the Rams to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. That's it. He's the last guy to do it since 1999. You think those, you think those numbers are going to change? You think you want you think your quarterback is good enough? If Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers can't do it, if Brett Favre couldn't do it, if Prime Peyton Manning couldn't do it, you think your quarterback is gonna be able to do it? It's not gonna happen. So if your quarterback doesn't win the MVP, even if you think he deserves it, you should be thankful for that. Because now you have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl. So you're welcome. But sticking to sports. I somewhat have an issue with people who don't find sports entertaining. Sports, live sporting events, in my opinion, 
is the greatest reality show, greatest show you can watch. Because at the end of the day, it is live, it is real, it is raw. I've seen every you know MCU movie, every DCEU movie, I've seen every Star Wars movie, all the great movies, I've seen those. But when you watch a movie like The Empire Strikes Back, the biggest scene in that movie was when Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker fighting it out on the uh, the Death Star, and or the the, the makeshift Death Star because the Death Star got blown up in the first movie. But they're they're fighting, they're battling it out, they're going at it, and Darth Vader cuts off Luke's hand, and then he we have the big revelation of Darth Vader is Luke's father. That's a big time moment. Imagine if while you're watching The Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader goes to swing for Luke's arm and he misses. Or during that fight, at some point, someone drops a lightsaber. Now for movies, you can cut that, edit it, go back, do it again. Sports, you get one shot. You get one chance to make those plays. Think about the biggest plays in, in sports history. Think about the two times the, uh, the Giants, Eli Manning won the Super Bowl when he's throwing the ball up and his wide receivers have to catch the ball with their fingertips or catch the ball with their face mask. In my opinion, the greatest catch in Super Bowl history or in NFL history is when is in Super I don't remember the, the Super Bowl number, but it was the Super Bowl with the Steelers and the Cardinals where Ben Roethlisberger at the end of the game, game on the line, the most stakes you can have in any type of football game or any professional game. I believe he rolled to his right, double pumped, threw it to the corner of the end zone. The Arizona defensive back puts his hand up, hand up, and the ball is like literally like less than an inch away from touching that quarterback's fingertips. And San Antonio Holmes reaches out, snags the ball, has to toe tap his foot in the corner of the end zone while the DB behind him is tackling him to the ground. Greatest catch I've ever seen. Greatest catch in NFL history, Super Bowl history, and any type of history you can think of. And San Antonio Holmes and Ben Roethlisberger only got one shot to do that. That was it. They get one chance to do that. Meanwhile, you look at someone, uh, you look at Avengers Infinity War, when Thor shows up in Wakanda after Thanos uh, retrieves all the Infinity Stones. Thor throws Stormbreaker, hits Thanos squarely in the chest, right where it needs to be, one take, one shot, done. How many times do you think it took Thor to do that? If he would have missed the first time, they could have did it again. He gets another chance. And that's the thing. That's the difference between movies and sporting events. You know, like more recently, the uh, uh, Ruiz, he went in there as an underdog, went in that fight, became the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. You can, you can write that script, but some people might not believe it. When you see it, it's there. It's possible. Sports does that for people. They turn underdog stories into great stories. They show you the resilience, the toughness, the grit, all that stuff. I mean, as much as I hate the Patriots, you couldn't have wrote a better story, a better script for the very first time Tom Brady won that Super Bowl in 2001, going all the way back to the beginning of that season when they lost Drew Bledsoe. Tom Brady comes in, he doesn't play great, but he plays good enough. 
they get to the playoffs, Tom Brady wins a game. The next the next game, Tom Brady plays better, but then he gets hurt. And now you have to rely on the backup to get them to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, the, the backup comes in. The guy who was supposed to lead them to the, to the Super Bowl comes in as a backup, wins the game for them, and then Tom Brady comes back. They have a back-and-forth game against the quote-unquote dynasty of the Rams, and they slug it out. Game comes down to the very end, to the last play, and the Patriots win it on a field goal kick. Like, you couldn't write – if someone wrote that as a script and put that in front of you, you'd be like, okay, no, that's, that's too much. You're doing too much. But in sports, that is something that happens for real. That's something that really happens. Say 2000, 2016, you have the greatest basketball team ever, ever created, the 73-win Warriors. They've won every game. They have the first-time unanimous MVP. They're going up against a LeBron James and a Cleveland Cavaliers team that they just beat previously. They're up 3-1, and then a, <laughs> a bunch of different circumstances happen along the way, but LeBron James is able to lead that team with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and come back and chop down the Goliath of the NBA, the biggest – the, the greatest team statistically and by wins, by any metric you can c- come up with, that Golden State Warriors team was the greatest team ever assembled, and they lost in the championship. The same can go with the 19-1 and New England Patriots that won every game, dominated the regular season, dominated the playoffs, and get to the Super Bowl and lose to an underdog six seed in the New York Giants. You, t- you can't get that realism in TV or movies. You can get a little bit of it. You can somewhat maybe get it, but it's different because you know that those New, those New York Giants, there was no take two. They didn't get to go to the editing room and try it again. LeBron James didn't get multiple chances if he would have failed. Like there is no room for failure for athletes compared to actors. And that's not the, to shit on movies. That's just it's hard for me to understand why people can't grasp and love the story and storytelling that comes with live sporting events. Now, the second thing that comes close, close to us uh, sporting events are animal shows like planet earth. Go watch episode one on Netflix of planet earth episode one with the uh, lizards in the desert of trying to avoid the snakes that arguably might be, the best, how long has that seen? Maybe three to four minutes. The best four minutes of TV you'll ever see. I guarantee you. Because it is just, it's it's, it's just pretty much shows you how life is, how cold nature and wildlife can be. It shows resilience. It shows toughness. It shows everything that you would want in a great story, but it's actually real. It's something that happens every day in different parts of the world and those are things i appreciate like i love sports i love watching live sporting events and i love to watch these nature shows nature shows great david attenborough greatest voice ever like if he was the voice of siri i would have siri right now that is who i want talking to me at all times like if you could pay me if if i had to pay a monthly fee to have david attenborough say something to get me up in the morning when i wake up and talk to me as i go to sleep I pay that fee. His voice is that great. It's that great. He is, he's one of the best. He is the best. He's the greatest of all time. I will not be arguing about this. 
don't at me about it because it's true. That's it. So the last thing I'm going to talk about is Denzel, not Denzel Washington, Denzel Curry. I feel like a lot of people are not up on this kid. He's a Miami kid. He's a rapper. He is one of the better rappers under 30. And I think he's only like 24. So he's one of the better young rappers coming up, you know, under 24, under 25. He's lyrically, his lyrics are there. Like last year he put out Taboo. That album was kind of dark. There was some good storytelling. The bars are there. He's everything that these hip hop purists want in an artist. But, you know, these days people spend too much time complaining about, you know, the Migos or Takashi 69 and the little pumps. And they're not focusing on the good stuff that some of these young kids are doing. You listen to what Denzel Curry is saying, you understand the story, you understand where he comes from, you hear what he's about. It's hard not to root for him. And the talent is there. The talent speaks for himself. Like Tabu was, if I had to think about it, it probably was in my top five albums of last year. If not top five, probably like top eight, but I love that album that he put out. Great album. This album that he just recently put out this year called Zoo. This album, I feel like is a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more Miami. Uh, I like that he he was able to get Rick Ross on there. That's a big look for him coming from Miami and getting Rick Ross the, you know, essentially the best rapper that Miami has produced in quite some time. Like he, when you think Miami rappers, like Rick Ross is the guy that you think of when it comes to lyrical ability. Obviously there's, you know, Two Live Crew and Pitbull, stuff like that, Trina, Trick Daddy, but Rick Ross, Mount Rushmore of rappers, and he was able to get a feature from him. And that's a big look for him. And the I do like the fact that he has more, I don't want to call them poppy records, but he has more radio-friendly records on this album, Zoo, Z-U-U. And I feel like that will get more people to gravitate towards what he is doing, to listen to the stories that he's telling, to big him up and to really put this kid in the forefront of lyricists in the game. Like, obviously, there are certain things that you have to do to get the masses to pay attention to you. And having songs that are more fun, a little bit more playful, more trappy, more, you know, I don't want to say radio friendly, but stuff that you can play in the club or in a strip club. He's got those records now on this album. So I feel like he's kind of growing and kind of becoming a little bit more smarter uh, in a sense of, okay, I've got my core audience. Now I need to go out and expand and get more people, get the casual rap fans, get the, the fans that maybe didn't check out Taboo, the, maybe the fans that like mumble rap. Maybe I can try to bring those people into the crowd and, and build my brand a little bit higher. And he's, he's one of the guys where I hope he's able to do it. I hope that he becomes, you know, I hope in five years we're talking about Denzel Curry the same way we talk about Kendrick and J. Cole and Drake and, uh, you know, Vince Staples, whoever, like Denzel Curry is going to be the guy. I guarantee you, like when you look at a lot of these rappers that are under 30, like the big name ones, it's like, you know, the Logics and, and Cardi B, uh, Vince Staples, uh, who else? Kind of going to stop uh, Megan Thee Stallion is blowing up right now. Um, a lot of other rappers, there's, plenty of rappers out here, but I feel like the guy who's going to be considered one of 
the greatest rappers of all time in the next five to 10 years, if he keeps doing what he's doing, is going to be Denzel Curry. And I, I would encourage you guys to listen to his album and um, give it an honest listen and tell me what you think about it because I'm, I'm rooting for this kid. Like, he's, his album is really solid. Like, it's really good. And I think uh, people should give this a, a listen. And he should be, like I said, he should be in the discussion with uh, some of the uh, great young rappers that are out right now. But uh, that's pretty much all I got. Um, I've been going for over 50 minutes. So, I mean, the last time, you know, South Breeze did a solo episode, his episode was about 15 minutes long. So uh, when it comes to stamina, I think we can give the, the check mark to me there. So uh, I appreciate you guys who, who've been listening this long, listen to, listening to just me ramble on about the things that I wanted to talk about. But you can follow me on Marcus at, on Twitter at uh, Marcus underscore Sniffles. Um, very interactive, here for good conversations. Like I said, if you like something, be able to tell me why. If you don't like something, be able to tell me why. Just don't tell me Denzel Curry sucks because he sucks. Like, I'm not, nah, that's, that's boring. But either way, this is a community podcast. Listen to us on Anchor. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, retweet, share with your friends, share with your mom, share with your grandparents, whoever. But uh, appreciate you listening. Peace. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ryan McLaughlin from Don't Call This a Podcast, here to thank you for rocking with the thekidswearcrowns.com and our podcast collective. If you're liking what you hear, do us a favor and check out the website, thekidswearcrowns.com. We've got a plethora of content for you, articles, TV and movie reviews, playlists, and a collective of podcasts, which includes Don't Call This a Podcast, Sturdy Show Presents the Barbershop Podcast, Two Dope Smarks, The Committee Podcast, Pretty Petty Politics, and We Bring in Love Back. We've also got a brand new webcast called Politics as Usual, hosted by Ron and AJ. So be sure to go to thekidswearcrowns.com, subscribe if you like what you see, and follow us on Twitter at the KWC blog.